Praise God. Let's get into some word today. What do you say? If you have a Bible with you today, uh, or Bible app, find 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you're new with us, we're glad you're here, even if you don't know what a Corinthian is. You could listen, you can look these up if you'd like. We understand that not everyone is at the same place and has the same background and understanding, and if all this is new to you, uh, it was new to the rest of us at one point as well, so don't feel out of place, and, uh, but we're glad you're here, praise God. I, I do want to warn everybody, though, that is maybe uh, not generally with us or you're not uh, in a relationship with God or maybe even fully know what that means. The majority, I say warn, that's a strong word, but uh, the majority of what I'm teaching today is directed specifically at people who are saved, okay? Uh, if people, and they say, what, what do you mean saved? Jesus called it being born again, all right? Now, you'll understand it because if you're not in that category, you're welcome to come over. And once you're here, you might want to, <laughs> Uh, but that's, that's the, the, the primary audience I'm speaking to. I guess we generally are on Sundays, but I'm, uh, I'm sure, you know, I'm very pleased when, uh, when you guys invite your friends and family and have people that you work with and they come to church with you and some of them, you know, you might be that person today and say, I don't even know what this is, what you guys are doing here. Uh, that's fine. We get it. Uh, and, uh, and we want you to enjoy the service as well and be, and be able to receive from God. Our church is comprised of uh, many different groups of people. There are many of you that have recently come to the Lord. Uh, I know that by people I know, and also, you know, we are able, we're blessed, thankful to see, you know, many hundreds of people. Last year, over a thousand people uh, in our services. That's kids and adults and youth and receive eternal life and pray, pray salvation. So we're happy about that. And we see, you know, many people get baptized in water every month. And so that's one category. Some of you are there. You've been saved for weeks, months, maybe a few, couple of years. And, uh, and there, there are others that come to our church and you've planted and, you know, put your roots down here. You have a background where you were saved prior to coming but the level of teaching you have is all over the map compared to what we're teaching. And some of you missed some vital components, not intentionally or not because someone else was trying to, you know, leave you in the dark. They just didn't know. And there are some really key components that are, I would call them basic. Uh, they're simple. They're fundamental for Christianity that you just didn't get. And so you, you're approaching God from a different perspective. And we hope to fill in some of those gaps for you. And at the same time, many have heard this, and you know this truth, and it's not going to hurt you one bit at all. In fact, it'll help you tremendously just to be stirred up and reminded again and again and again of the realities of who we are uh, after salvation. That kind of cues you in a little bit to what, I'm, what I want to share with you today. But 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is our beginning point, verse 17, 517 uh, it reads here, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, uh, is anybody here in Christ? Uh, again, it, 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 say, I don't even know what that means. Well, you're either in Christ and you just need education, information, or you're not in Christ. But this is who it's speaking to, those who are 
in Christ. If you're out of Christ, then the rest of this wouldn't apply to you. Not yet anyway, okay? If anyone is in Christ, he, he is not speaking to men, okay? He is a new creation. Is everybody a new creation? No, those who are in Christ are a new creation. See, there's a temptation in society and even it gets into the church for us to, uh, you know, think of and speak of all people equally. Like everyone's the same. Everyone's, uh, you know, I'm not talking about by right of creation, you know, all men are created equal. I believe in that. And men, again, is not referring to males, men as a species. That's the way the Bible uses the language, even though it's unpopular to use those kind of words today. <laughs> we don't care. <laughs> anyway. In Christ, there's neither male nor female, right? And then race is a lie, too. God doesn't see any of that kind of nonsense. So, back to my subject. Uh, in Christ, out of Christ. That's what matters, right? And uh, this person is a new creation, new creature, new, new creation. creation. What I began to say before you interrupted me... Uh, was we can't think of everyone as everyone's the same. It's kind of like the, the notion, we're all children of God. Well, no, that's not true. If you're talking about in Christ, yes, but are all people God's children? Not according to Jesus, not according to the Scriptures. All people are His creation. All people are loved by God, but not all would be in the category of God's children. You realize Jesus even said in one place, it's over uh, in John chapter 8, he spoke to a group of religious people, and he said, you guys are of your father the devil. <laughs> That's a little different than everybody's God's children. Yeah. It's like, the devil's your dad. <laughs> wow, that, that, I mean, that's a, quite a statement. Yeah. But we need to be real and honest with our language and with our thoughts as to the difference of those who are in Christ and those who are not. Have a real clear distinction. It's not so we can look down on people or kind of thumb our nose at others and, 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 and you know, and act like um, we're superior because we're just, you know, smarter or, or something like that. Uh, but, but at the same time, I think it would be good to note that that language of better or worse is true. Here, here's what I mean. Sometimes a, a Christian will be accused of saying something like, uh, that, like this, that they're better than others. Someone will say, you guys just think you're better than everybody else. And what happens is the Christian then sometimes feels, I don't know, intimidated by that, and so they immediately fire back like, well, no, we don't. No, we don't. We're just forgiven. And that's incorrect. That's an incorrect answer. Let, 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 me, t let me tell you why. If someone is lost, separated from God, and then they receive eternal life, their spirit is born again. They're joined with God. Are they better off or worse? 
Okay, so someone's, their eternal destination is separation from God forever, but now they've changed course. Now they've received the gift of eternal life, and they're going to be united with, with God forever. Are they better off or worse? Okay, so if I, let's just put it in, this, in these terms. If I use it on myself, I once was lost, but now I'm found. Better or worse? Better. So I'm talking to my old self. Could I say I'm better than you? Yes. Now, that doesn't mean I'm going to go around finding everybody. I'm better than you. I'm better than you. I'm better than you. But for understanding purposes, is a saved person better than a lost person? Yes. To think anything else is making light of your salvation. Which is better, alive or dead? I'm going to go with alive. You think you're better than me. Well, you're dead, I'm alive. Okay, yes. Now, I'm not better because, you know, inherently, no, I've sinned just like you have, and God has been merciful to me, but he'll show you his love and kindness as well. And you can join the better category. And then you'll agree, yep, my life is better than it used to be. So I just like to, I don't want to be intimidated into reducing the, the explanation or scope of my salvation to something that is non-offensive to another person. Because for us to pretend everyone's the same, no, not when it comes to eternity. Jesus really came for a reason. I'd really be in, in trouble without him. Okay, back to our verse. Therefore, if anyone, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things, everybody say old things. Old things. Have passed away. Behold, all things, say all things, all things, have become new. Isn't that quite a statement? Old things, gone. All things, new. What? All things? All is a big word. All things have become new new. Isn't that a little bit more than the average mentality that I'm still a mess, I'm still a wreck, I'm still a waste, but the Lord saved me. Stop it. But the Lord forgave me. And now I'm a, sa- now I'm a forgiven mess. Now I'm a forgiven wreck. Now I'm just a pile of unworthy dirt, but at least I'm forgiven. Is that what that verse is saying? You are still a lousy, good-for-nothing, worm of the dust, but at least you're forgiven, you rascal. (laughs) That's not what this is saying. Old things have passed away. All that rascalness, all that unworthiness, dead. All things have become new. Come on, how many know God likes new things? New birth, new heaven, new earth, renewed mind, right? God likes new things. I like new things. My wife likes old things. I'm more biblical than her. (laughs) All things have become new. (laughs) Now, verse verse 18, now, when? (laughs) In heaven? Someday in the sweet by and by. No, now all things are of God. Wow. Who's, Who's he talking about? He's talking about us. Now, I'm talking to the believing ones. All things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself 
through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So being a new creation changes everything. This is what must be understood. Believers are at a a real disadvantage without an understanding of this vital truth. And this is something I want to help you to know more than you do already, okay? Let's focus in for a moment on old things because old things have passed away. And in, in reading the scripture, I can see that old things described in many different ways. I chose seven of them, okay? Let me give you seven old things that have passed away. The first one is referred to in the word of God as the old man, the old man. Now, the old man is not your dad, and don't call him that. <laughs> and don't call him that. <laughs> is the old man. Romans 6.6 6 reads, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. So, this is, this is a true Part of your experience when you got saved is your old man was crucified with him. That's with Jesus on the cross. Obviously, that happened before we were alive, but when you receive salvation, that comes into your your reality, that your old man was crucified. Another way for saying old man, we could say is your sin nature. Your sin nature, what? Died with Jesus. Okay, this is a this is a new mentality for a lot of Christians because they talk about a a sin nature as if it's still present with them. They're even taught that we all have it. And and I may address that even more later on in another message. But according to Romans 6, 6, the old man is dead. Okay, why is that important? If if I have an old man, my old person, in other words, a sin nature, then sin is my default setting. Sin is natural for me. It's, I mean, why would I, why would I not sin if I'm a sinner? Why do sinners sin? It's their nature. Why do dogs act like dogs? And you can't get it out of them. Right? I mean, wouldn't you train, train them to not put their nose there? If you could. Oh, how embarrassing. There they go again with the other, you know, canines. Well, you can't stop it. They're, that's the dog. They're going to do dog things. If you're a sinner, you're going to do sinful things. Why? It's your nature. What about when someone becomes a new creation in Christ? Now watch. Here's a the, here's the big difference. It's no longer our nature to sin. It's no longer natural for us. It's no longer our default setting. I'm not saying that Christians don't do wrong things sometimes. I'm saying they're, they're violating their new, uh, their new nature when they do it. And if they don't know that, they view themselves still as a struggling person trying to do the right thing rather than, I'm changed. I've been made in the image of God. All things now are of God. Why would I do that? Everybody with me today? And so now doing right is natural for us. That'd be, that'd be worthy of, of confession and meditation right there. 
Let's say it out loud. Out loud. Say now, now. Doing, right doing right is natural for me. Natural for me. Sin, Sin is unnatural. My old guy died. Yeah. Number two, number two, the old thing that has passed away is sin. Sin itself is referred to as part of that passed away uh, nature. John 1.29, the next day, John saw Jesus, John the Baptist, coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Okay, so then that's, the Lamb of God is Jesus takes away the sin of the world. Who did he take the sin of the world away from? Well, you could say the world, but then any person who enters into a relationship with God, that becomes active or effective in their life. So if you're a believer, you would rightfully say, God or Jesus took away my sin. If he took your sin away, what do you no longer have? The sinful mentality struggles to even say things like that. But if I have this Bible and Pastor Doug takes it away from me, I no longer have it. And if that represents sin, I should no longer think of myself talk about myself, conduct my life as if I'm still that old person with sin. Was Jesus successful in removing sin from us? Yes, he was. And if he was successful, then you don't have it. Hallelujah. Number three. Number three is, is called the body of sin. And that's in that same verse, Romans 6, 6. The latter part of that verse reads that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. So the purpose is set of, of this is, is sin no longer dominates us. It no longer controls us. If you say, I just can't stop doing X, stop saying that. Start saying, I'm no longer a slave to sin. I, it no longer controls me. I am now free from its, its grip. I am free from its control over my life. Uh, the body of sin. So we could say it this way. Our bodies are no longer conduits for wrongdoing. They're no longer vessels of wrong, vessels of sin, vessels of, of, of rebellion against God. But our, our, our bodies are now useful instruments in the hands of God. Isn't that interesting? He calls us to use our hands to bring healing to people. When he said, you'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Well, I can't lay these dirty things on people. Don't call them dirty. I mean, if you're actively in the mud, figurative, figuratively speaking, then, then get out of that. But if you're a saved person, I, I, I'm telling you, your, your body is an instrument of God. He wants to use it for his glory. We, we should thank, this is an interesting thought. We should thank God for our bodies. I realize they're in decay mode. You, you stay in it long enough and it'll kick you out, right? I re, and that's not God's original plan, but that's the current condition of a fallen world. Nevertheless, 
instead of despising everything about your body, and be thankful. Say, this, this body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, and I believe I can glorify God in my body. The devil won't have any foothold when you view it that way. Because the old thing, this body of sin, has been done away with. Number four is the power of Satan. This has passed away concerning you and me. The power of Satan. Acts 26, 18 reads, To open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive the forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Amen, amen. So this tells us prior to coming to Christ, we were under the power of Satan. But once you come to him, that's no longer the case. Other scriptures confirm this. Ephesians chapter 2 says that we were under the control of the prince of the power of the air, right? The spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience. I used to be controlled by Satan. Now I'm no longer. Okay. Now, now it's an interesting thought again. Some people look back at their life prior to being saved and they don't think of themselves harshly enough. They don't look at their, they think, well, I was a pretty good person. I mean, my whole life. I was always, you know, a good person. Knock that off. <laughs> Can I tell you, just real kindly, no, you weren't. You were, you were a bad person. Now, say, I don't know if I agree with that. See, what we're doing is we're comparing ourselves with other people, with the society around us. And by, when you grade on a curve, maybe you were okay. You are better than, but we're not comparing ourselves with one another. Our, our standard of holiness and righteousness is compared to God himself. And compared to perfect holiness and perfection in all thought and action, we, we were all rascals. Okay? Scripture even calls us in other places enemies of God. Why do I say we need to be reminded of that? So we can become more appreciative and of our salvation and his mercy and forgiveness, but then also recognize, I am nothing like I used to be. When I gave my life to the Lord, I turned my back on my old life, and I was made brand spanking new. Now I'm a new creation, and it's a whole new life here. Now this is all of God. It used to be under the power of Satan. Now, I am, now I'm in charge in my own life, and I, I yield myself to the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Number five, you guys are taking way too long. Number five is the body of death. It's, it, it's, it, it, scripture says we're free from the body of death. In Romans chapter seven and verse 24, Paul references his life, that whole, the latter part of that chapter, reference his life before Christ, outside of being saved. And he says, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Before Jesus, he considered his body a body of death. And he described himself as a wretched man. Now, once he gets into Romans 8 and talks about freedom in Christ and all that we have, there's no longer a self-description as wretched. And we shouldn't refer to ourselves or think of ourselves as wretched. You know the old famous song, Amazing Grace? Most people know that song. Uh, it uses the word wretch in there. And some believers with this revelation have changed the word. 
I'm in favor of that change. Because you, if you know the words, amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a, a wretch like me. Now, if you're describing who you were before Christ, absolutely sing the words, sing it loud. I was a wretched man. I was a mess, and the Lord saved me. But we can't carry that mentality into our new creation experience. That's why many people sing that saved someone like me. Because I do not want a wretch mentality now. I have to believe in the power of God that made me a new creation. I was a wretch. Now I'm a child of the Most High. Now I'm a son of God. I'm made in his image and in his likeness, filled with his spirit, a joint heir with Christ. I've been given a place and standing with him that is eternal. So it's a different mentality. Paul described himself pre-Christ as a wretched man, wretched man. And uh, he, he said, I have this body of death. Now your body is not a body of death. Everybody say it out loud. Say, my body, my body is a body of life. Yeah, number six. It, number six is the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death. That's, again, an old thing that has passed away for us. Romans 8, verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So there are universal laws that govern the kingdom of God, that govern our lives. They work for everybody. There's one called the law of the spirit of life in Christ. There's another one called the law of sin and death. Which one do you live under? Which, which law governs your, your activity? See, when you're under the law of sin and death, man, you sin, you're under a curse. You're under the curse that is associated with sin. But once you get saved, you're, your failure of any kind or even sin does not put you back in the curse category. Amen. I'm not saying the sin is desirable, acceptable. I'm not implying that at all. I'm just saying if a believer who is in the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus sins, they, they do not get transferred back over to the law of sin and death. If you sin, don't get in fear like, ah, oh, God's going to get me. No, he's not. You're still his child. You didn't get saved by stop, because you stopped doing wrong things. And therefore, you don't lose your salvation because you mess up. Praise God. Hallelujah. Number seven. Number seven is in, inward dwelling sin. This is another old thing that has passed away. Romans 7, 17. But now it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in me. Now again, think about it. This is Paul speaking before Christ. He describes sin as dwelling in him. Now that we're in Christ, sin no longer dwells in us. So being saved then is much more than forgiveness of sin, Christ has literally removed it from our inward being. I'm no longer a sinful creature. He changed that part of me. And so again, uh, not just forgiven, changed. See, uh, trying to do right, which we all want to do, but without the internal quality of being right, is an impossible task. The logic goes like this. You may have heard me say this before. If someone is told, you're a sinner, you're a sinner, you're a sinner, stop sinning! 
Well, where's the logic in that? Sinner's sin. And if that's what you call me, then how can I not be what I am? But if the language is reversed once someone comes into eternal life and God is no longer wagging his finger saying, you are a wretched, you're a, you know, you're a wretch, a sinful, despised human being. But he's saying, he's saying, nope, now old things have passed away. Everything is brand spanking new. Now everything in you is of me. Well, I think I can do this then. I think I can live this life. I think I can overcome. I, I, I believe I can do the right thing. See, walking in righteousness begins with being righteous and knowing about it. I begin, I become righteous. How? Through faith in Jesus' finished work. And then I know about it. I remind myself of it on a regular basis. Praise God. Now, now think about uh, biblical terminology with me for a moment. We typically will describe people, we'll assign a noun to them based on their actions. If someone plums, we're going to call them a, a plumber. If someone lies, we're going to say you are a liar. If someone preaches, you would say you're a preacher. Okay, that's fine, that's right, that's accurate. When it comes to scriptural language, that's not always the way to describe someone. Okay, for example, um, we're told in scripture that all, 1 Corinthians 14, all may prophesy. The question is, are people who prophesy prophets? The answer is not necessarily. Because you can prophesy without being a prophet. Okay, the same thing is true when it comes to the language of sin. When someone sins, does that mean that they should be ascribed the title of sinner? Biblically speaking, the answer is no. Because someone can sin because they're a sinner by nature, or they can potentially sin contrary to their nature. And that is the reality of any person who's been made a new creation in Christ. If you do something wrong, you're going against your new nature. You're not walking in alignment with it. Amen. But this is where the, the, the language needs to shift a bit when it comes to how we think of and refer to ourselves. Okay? The, the, the terms sinner and righteous are, are not only used in the Bible to describe behavior, but also they are used to describe a person's uh, standing with God and nature of being. Everybody with me? So sinner is a description of someone separated from God. Sinner is a description of a person who's spiritually dead. Righteous is a description of someone who's in right standing with God, they're friends, they're on the same team, they're in agreement. Righteous is also the description of a spirit being that has been transformed or born again. Hallelujah, hallelujah. This is why an absence of this understanding of both position with God and condition of, of our nature, without that understanding, people will use language like this. Well, you know, 
we're all sinners. And you hear that from Christians all day long. Saved people saying, well, you know, we're all sinners. Well, wait a minute. What about 2 Corinthians 5.17? I thought all things passed away and all things become new. If I was a sinner before I came to Jesus and then I accepted him, I was born again and now I'm a sinner. Why did I even accept him? Why did I even make him Lord of my life if I'm the same as I used to be? Because that's inaccurate. It may describe someone's act actions in a moment of time that it's sinful, but it no longer applies to the believer as far as their nature of being and their standing with God. If a sinner, excuse me, if a Christian sins, they are not then on the outs with the Father. I don't mean he likes their sin or is, a, is approving of their sin, but they are, no they are not kicked out of the family. We know that. We don't do that to our own kids, right? You, you, you show up, you, you come home late one more time, you are out of the family. No, you're still in the family breaking a rule. You don't lose your right standing with the family. Everybody with me? We're not losing our right standing with God by, by sin. We still need to think about, describe ourselves uh, in this way, that I am still right with God. I am still a new creature in Christ. All things are still of God. With that mentality, I can overcome. Hallelujah. So, whew, trying to say a lot in a little bit of time. Christianity, then, is, is not, um, salvation does not create forgiven sinners. It's much deeper than that. It's much more permanent than that. We shouldn't describe ourselves as forgiven sinners. No, new creation. That's the biblical definition. New creation in Christ. But I saw you do something wrong. I, you, you, you might be right but it's not who I am. I, I did that and I violated the, the, the reality of who I really am in Christ. I, I don't like it. I don't want to be that way, but that's not who I am. You speak like that long enough and your behavior will change. You'll have overcoming power working in you. Instead of, you know, like it's taught in society, if someone's an alcoholic, they're always an alcoholic. And if someone, even if they stop drinking, they refer to themselves many times as uh, a recovering alcoholic. When's your last drink? 20 years ago. I'm a recovering alcoholic. See, that's contrary to the way that God changes people. I'm not saying those who promote that are intentionally trying to harm others. They're not. They're trying to help them. I'm just saying the mentality of a relationship with God says, I am no longer who I used to be. I cannot describe and think of myself according to my old sin. Say, so what if I did it like this morning? I, I would still recommend you do not describe yourself by your sin. You describe yourself by who you are in him. That's our thinking. That's our talk. That's how we overcome and glorify the Lord. But we're giving weight to salvation. We're saying, this is a big deal. And it worked. I'm really a changed being. Hallelujah. So... Wow, you guys used up all my time. 
Praise God. The reason that death exists is because of sin. Sin originally separated people from God. In other words, death, if you were to give it a one-word definition, separation is a good word. When a person dies physically, they are separated from their body. It's going to happen to everybody. You separate from your body. I mean, your body died, you got kicked out. Are you dead? No, you're st- I mean, you still exist. You just exist separated. When someone is spiritually dead, it means they're separated from God. Okay? When someone has physical death plus spiritual death, that equals eternal death. Or the second death, as it's said in the scriptures, that's separation from God forever in hell. So three kinds of death. But it's all about separation. Life then produces the opposite. Life in your body. Okay, we know what that is. Your heart's still beating. You're still breathing. You're still here. You have, you have physical life. Spiritual life, what does that mean? You're connected with God. You're joined together with Him. You're made one with the Lord. You're, you're, you're connected. You're not separated. So eternal life, what's that? That's connection with God with no end. Connection with God forever. It'll never happen that you'll be separated. Sometimes people ask, what about when we get to heaven? Could someone sin in heaven? What if I sin then? What happens then? You won't. So how do you know I won't? You're thinking with a, with a tainted mentality right now, but I know you won't because of the word eternal. Eternal life is eternal connection with God. You will never, ever do the wrong thing ever again. Well, I think I'll be tempted. What if I'm in heaven and a hot chick walks past me <laughs> and I could lust after her. You won't. You won't. <laughs> I don't know why I gave that illustration, but <laughs> I'm just saying eternal life is eternal. And it's life. It's connected with God. Amen. I have to give you this last verse. It's, it's the same one, because this is where my title comes from, okay? 2 Corinthians 5, 17, easy to, read, easy to read version. When anyone is in Christ, it is a whole new world. The old things are gone. Suddenly, everything is new. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, that, that's the title, a whole new world. And... Uh, I want us to understand that salvation is not just a minor upgrade. It is not just a change of eternal destination. It is all that and so much more. And if we could wrap our brains around it, we'll enjoy it and walk in it. Amen, amen. Father, thank you for working in here right now. By your spirit, according to your great love, I thank you for what you have done in us made us brand new. All things are of God. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, that even our, what was formerly the body of sin is now a vessel unto your glory, is now a tool for righteousness. Thank you, Lord. We just resist today any, everything that would attack, every symptom, every pain, every work of the enemy that would attack the temple of God, the bodies of your people, the minds of your people. I thank you for the spirit of of freedom. 
we are liberated by the blood of Jesus, the power of God, and made acceptable in your sight. Lord, we honor you. We give you praise. We thank you for your faithfulness. You're so good, so good, so good to us all the time. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.